0: Welcome a welcome everybody, it's episode 378 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, a.k.a. the Soccer God, a.k.a. <laughs> <laughs> the legend dying today by um The uh, sure. Man City only only drew So um, I
1: don't know I don't know what you're bit, talking about yeah, Graham, Big Man City fan of yourself
0: I'm a massive Manchester United fan We are the greatest team yeah, In the world I, I can though. go
1: back uh, I saw you were posting Screenshots of uh, Whatsapp I can go back to last week uh, that, And find you, That you we, actually we, don't
0: like We only Man United anymore. We only post screenshots Of Whatsapp If it's a clearly a joke And that, that's okay We don't post any Sir, that's the that's that's the. So you're uh, saying the it wasn't a joke done.
1: then? Well, Let's we have that on record anyway. So what? Yeah. What am
0: I saying wasn't the joke?
1: That you're not a Man United fan, And you're not a fan of football anymore. <laughs>
0: I don't know I, look I'm a fan of football now anyway for this week because Man United destroyed Liverpool and and you know what our Manscaped read is actually about soccer being back as well so not very very handy and football is in the greats they're, uh, they, they're separated by their elite ball skills as Man United and Liverpool were last Monday and now you could put the ball uh, in football <laughs> by using Manscaped
1: you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to start cl- cloth complaining with the long grass you want to oh, trim yeah. that grass down, down the side. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's a, Exactly. Kane can't be the only hairy one this year uh, so use Manscaped the top of the, their top of the line grooming products to keep your smooth in midfield you need maybe a bit of Jude, Jude Bellingham as well there Graham and I hear y'all complaining about him Man
1: City,
0: somebody in midfield and somebody, it, it says here Man City won the cup Man City didn't win any cup last year like Liverpool won both cups without scoring as I seem to remember but your Man City will be the champion this year when you go to Manscaped.com and use the promo code SEVERE MMA for 20% off plus free Delivery. I feel like we've given Manscaped enough of a read now, but there's more to go here anyway. You can get the uh, performance package in it, you'll get the lawnmower 4.0. The weed whacker for your nose and your hair. And my father actually badly needs one of them. So manscaped, if you're listening, lash me out another one there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Call him out of the podcast, <laughs>
0: fucking out. So, sorry, I actually gave him the last one I got, and he lost it. So I like, I need another one. I've no here here I'm only fucking 22 years of age. Uh, Maybe he
1: took it as an insult and threw it in the bin <laughs> and told you he lost it, and now you're calling I'm them out so in
0: public. Fucking, I need it now. He's like, uh, but yeah, there, there's multiple. Bo- Patrick's probably listening to this now as well, and tell him, Patrick, don't tell him. Anyway, multiple barn farm Formulations and the travel bag and the boxers as well. That uh, lawnmower 4.0, very good. You basically shave your... Nether regions with it, if we're being honest. Uh, it has ceramic blades that reduces nicks and cuts in those nether regions. Uh, this revolutionary tech is the best defense you could find for your Virgil Van Dicken balls. Virgil Van fucking Dicken balls isn't a great defender anymore, but you know, as good as L- Alessandro Martinez, maybe, although you don't want to be that small down there. Anyway, the trimmer's back. <laughs> <mandrails>, that's <laughs> that's one of the greatest up. jokes I've ever made in my whole life. That was fucking fantastic. This, uh, if people have skipped this Manscaped intro, it's actually the worst decision they've ever made because this has been fantastic. The trimmer's battery also lasts 90 minutes. You could be shaving your nether regions for an entire football match. <laughs> Remember, that seemed like that's what Virgil van Dijk was doing for the first goal. Remember to take your little water break at halftime as well, of course. Their performance package also comes with the Weed Wacker ear and Noah's hair trimmer, as I mentioned. It's waterproof. I don't know why you'd want to use that you, water though. Um, 8,000 RPM, motor power, 360 degree rotary dual blade system that has the proprietary tree skin safe technology as well the word i can't say which which helps to prevent nicks schnegs and tugs in those delicate holes don't forget as well about the liquid formulations i was at a wedding there a couple of weeks ago as everyone's heard about a hundred times though and I, it was the warmest day on fucking record i believe and i used my crop cleanser uh crop preserver and crop reviver even that day absolutely brilliant saved me a fucking world of heart that day um put the ball on door and make sure your hardware stares, stays shiny with the performance packages, Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver as well, which is a spray ball toner. Uh, this package is head to toe top class and an easy choice for the best footballers in Europe and also for Liverpool fans as well. Get 20% off and free delivery from code SvereManManscap.com. That's 20% off with free delivery using the code SeverManManscap.com. Uh, celebrate a new season of the beautiful game with your newly beautiful balls. Right, Graham. Um, So there's no event to look back on. I am going to pop in towards the end of this podcast here with a quick review of the one championship event, which uh, will... We were recording this beforehand, everyone will probably guess at this stage. So I'm going to, wow, I'm watching him and I'll have reviewed him as well over in Sherdog. But that's the main mixed martial arts this weekend no Bellator, no EOC, no PFL. So we're going to have you know, a little bit of a chat and maybe a quick look back as well on last week. I feel like last week it was one of those weeks where we recorded a podcast on a Sunday and usually it's great to get like the instant reaction. I remember I was even talking to Harry when he was on the podcast and he was kind of saying, Jesus, it's amazing how quickly yourself and Graham were able to like formulate your opinions without thinking about it for a few days and I was like I oh, actually yeah, sure, were kind of used to it and in the Leon Edwards uh, <laughs> win happens and I to like one or Tuesday I was like Jesus do you know what I wish I had another couple of days to think about that so we've had another couple of days to think about it and I- honestly I kind of haven't been able to stop thinking about it but not not in like a what's going to be next or not in like um you know the the majesty of the, or the importance of a UK fighter winner. I just keep thinking about the, the majesty of the moment, maybe, is is what I, I keep thinking about. And his father, I think it was his father, wasn't it? In the corner, said, Come on, Leon, don't let him bully you. No, Leon. no, it's not his father. Was oh, it not his, his coach.
1: Oh, was he it, just, oh, yeah. Like He's like a father figure to him. He called okay. him son and stuff. But uh, yeah, no, apparently his, his mother sent a message or saw the, the video and was like in tears about how he, he treated him like a, like a son.
0: Oh yeah, oh, that's great Okay, he was a father of figures on I, I, I saw A funny story I was uh, downtown I saw a, a St. Leon Do you know those cars? And I, I could hear it in, in a, <laughs> I could hear it in a Birmingham accent In my head When I saw the back of the car And it said Leon Like, don't let it bully a Leon And it, that's just uh, <laughs> <laughs> All week All week I've just been thinking about that And my mind usually isn't consumed by MMA in the way it used to be at moments like that. I'm usually thinking about what I have to do for next week, or what work I have to do with it. But God almighty, it was it was absolutely fantastic. And myself and Quiltia talked about it as well a bit on Hot Topic, about how, like you look at it, and we, we were kind of discussing briefly before we started here, but you look at the Anthony Joshua moment, before and the, the boxing where he kind of loses his head and you know I, I gave him a lot of shit for it too look he is after coming from 12 rounds and getting his head punched in so we have to cut him a bit of slack but I thought it was very disrespectful a lot of the stuff he did and even if it wasn't disrespectful for, for if you can understand why he did it it was still cringy and it was still like oh no if he could reverse time he would never do it like that where's Leon Edwards I saw just the clip today again where he said like you know headshot or something like that. I think BT Sports had it up, and even though that was maybe like a tiny bit disrespectful, I'm sure Usman wouldn't like to hear that. But it was like it was from the heart, and I wrote a bit of an article about it as well. And Leon Edwards has always been this very reserved type of character, and it just feels like he got the confidence in that one moment to let all those reservations out. And just to say what he felt, and it all, it, it was incoherent and crazy and mad, but at the same time, wonderful, you know, to just hear all of that. And I, I can't stop thinking about it all week, to just, some, a couple of people have called it lucky, and uh, someone sent me a question over on Twitter today, like, which is most lucky, Man United beating Liverpool, Leon Edwards, or, uh, or McGregor against... Um, Aldo. and i was kind of thinking oh
1: definitely definitely,
0: man, definitely, man, definitely man, man, yeah true but i was thinking, like years of preparation meeting that opportunity gets you that look really doesn't it like, i would say i would i always use the the analogy of um, of a hole in one someone who's never played golf in their life could never get a hole in one they could be there for a week and not get a hole in one you only will be able to get a hole-in-one if you have the ability to hit the ball 180 yards or whatever it might be into the hole with some precision, you know? And that's... And especially with something like the the, the McGregor puncher, the Leon yeah. Edwards... Uh,
1: no, we, we, like, we've seen, like, lucky punches. Like, well, punches that have a lot of luck in them. Like, when people are kind of, like, you know, windmilling at each other, and maybe in, in the past more than we see now, but... You know, all of those examples, I think, were taking advantage of the moment brilliantly. Like, you know, really good timing, everything. Like, you know, there is obviously a bit of luck, as I said, originally on the our first podcast reacting to it. You know, you, you zig when you should have zagged, or like if Usman had it kind of known that he was out of range of the, the one-two that kind of Leon pot paw- out there. But you got, like, there's several, like in a 25-minute fight, there's going to be several, like, you know, opportunities and you've just got to be able to take them and against somebody like Guzman the opportunities are are less you know there's very few opportunities and and Leon just uh, absolutely amazing as you said it's just it's like fairy tale stuff it's like uh you know we we watch MMA for a long time and it's 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 been a while since you kind of you've had that feeling of uh nearly proud and and happy and you know as you say and seeing um, uh, Leon come out of his shell and kind of, you know, uh, say what he thinks without without being like, you know, me, uh, maybe it was a little bit disrespectful, but it wasn't, it wasn't disrespectful in, he was trying to disrespect him, it was just pure joy coming out and just, you know, stream of consciousness nearly. Um, and it's great to see that, you know, there's a lot of fights, a lot of oversaturation that we've talked about, and it's easy to become kind of cynical in the sport, but something like this really, like, you know, reminds you what a, what a brilliant, beautiful sport it is and why we love it so much
0: and there can almost only be a reaction for that for a fighter like Leon Edwards who I don't think anyone had like a great opinion on in terms of him as like a person or anything, I'm sure like I don't think anyone thought Leon Edwards was a bad person, but did anyone think Leon Edwards was, like, the, you know, the, the best character or the most interesting character? I know he is interesting. I think there's a few stories came out about him that he's, he's an interesting character, but he's, you know, he's not exactly, you know, whoever the most interesting character in the history of sport is. He's, but it that led to, like, the reaction afterwards, just to the moment, and to what he said afterwards, having none of, like, the... It, let's say if that had happened against Frankie Edgar, right? Or if it happened against Conor McGregor. It, you'd have all the Edgar fans and all the McGregor fans say oh, I was lucky and it was bullshit and all of this there, and there isn't really I, I used to say this about certain fighters before there's some fighters they don't really have fans of them like I'm a massive Kamaru Usman fan in terms of his ability I, I think he it was between him and Volkanovski pound for pound one or, two, one or two he's brilliant I was even thinking about him versus GSP in terms of the, the, what they had done in that division and I think still think he was probably two or three fights away from it but to even think about that conversation is not one of the greatest compliments you could ever give anyone. But, like, I don't think he's a guy who had a massive fan base, if you get me. Like, having Ali Abdelaziz in your corner doesn't help. The, the thing before where he was saying he was punching at 70% <laughs> of the- I was literally just thinking that. I was
1: literally just <laughs> yeah. thinking that.
0: So, when... And now, that's not against Usman. I'm trying to explain why the, the reaction was that way to Edwards. So... You didn't have a guy with like a massive fan base Who are like fervent And maybe, you know, I'm sure he has a bit But they weren't like fervently against him Where... Leon Edwards didn't ha- doesn't have like a massive fan base apart from maybe a few in the UK who are fervently for him. So you had just fighter A versus fighter B, kind of with one of them maybe a little bit the bad guy in 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 in, uh, in certain people's minds, and then you had just this perfect moment where we can appreciate what he said and the passion that he showed after the beautiful technical knockout. And when I say technical knockout, I don't mean TKO. I mean a knockout that was very technical. Um, and, and we can just enjoy that for what it is and let it kind of let our emotions be out of us. Even us as media, just the, you couldn't help but feel it. And you we have to feel it. You sh- you should feel it. But it, it was one of those special moments like that. It, you're, you're not even thinking like, uh, you know, people have talked about Wembley and they talked about the UK and they talked about the rematch and all. But when it happened, especially for like that 20 minutes, half an hour afterwards, it's you're not even thinking about what's next usually like are all the time last week uh, this, the same card Aldo lost and the first thing I tweeted Jesus wouldn't it be great to see Aldo versus Cruz like you immediately move on you imme- we always immediately move on and it felt like this we were stuck in that moment of beautiful enjoyment and I don't think we've had that moment in mixed martial arts in a while we, you know, we usually get it with like the big stars and that's why they become big stars. You know, we mentioned uh, the McGregor-Aldo knockout or John Jones knocking out DC or, you know, even Shemaev recently. And, uh, you know, to, to him and Gilbert Burns maybe is the, the example of recent times. I know, you know, the Pinier obviously finishing Manny Nunes in a different sort of way as well. But it was just, it was just unbelievable. It may, you know, unbelievable. We we get it all the time with Man United and Liverpool. You know, you Liverpool won the, the the Premier League. I'm sure you got it there a couple of years ago. Even Limerick when they won all the All-Irelands we've been winning. It's just a brilliant fucking feeling. But in MMA it's funny, right, Graham, and I, I'm interested to get your take on this. MMA is a sport, right? Okay, I'm sure there's like McGregor fans out there, there's Leon fans, there's Usman fans, there's Steve fans, whoever. But it's not a a fan a fan-based sport, if you get me, like, or a supporter-based sport. Because if it is, you'd only watch us you know twice a year or three times a year so you're watching the sport you're a fan of the sport and you're a fan maybe you mean it's fan of player yeah it's not yeah. a
1: player like it's, it, yeah it's
0: yeah. a bit uh, as someone said Formula 1 is a bit like that as well you know you're not really necessarily a fan of the actual people although you're, I'm sure some people are I'm a fan of Max and other things. but you're a fan of like the sport you're a fan of the drama you're a fan of the overall sport and MMA is very like that as well and it's maybe that's why we don't have those certain things all the time like all, all the Limerick Hurland supporters have had a Great few years because we've been so successful. All the Liverpool fans have had somewhat of a great few years. You know, we've won more than you've won in, in a good while, and Man City supporters or whatever. And it just feels like when MMA gets that, sometimes we have those special moments. And this was, it felt to me like it was one where everyone came together. It was like Man United and Liverpool both. <laughs> you know, rebel to
1: enjoy It was weird. It's like it's it's, it's like uh, compare it to like you know a team that's got to the FA Cup final or something unexpectedly, maybe even like a division down, and they come up against you know, like a Man City, and they they they're getting hammered, and they somehow. It's like Portsmouth it at it. that
0: time, remember Portsmouth Wigan as well, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, they didn't actually win it though, did they?
0: They did. They both won it, yeah.
1: Oh, they did, yeah. Again, who did they play in the final? Was it a bit? Was it a Oh, big Wigan or?
0: beat Arsenal, didn't they? If I'm not mistaken, I think they did, yeah.
1: Yeah, I suppose there wasn't there wasn't that huge reaction of like, oh, we're so happy the underdog won, even though like you know that's kind of how the FA Cup is marketed in, in in soccer, football, or whatever. Yeah, it's different, you know. I think in America they they seem to like follow players or follow you know uh, maybe if Neymar for example was to move they'd go support PSG if he moves from Barcelona, support Barcelona anymore or things like that but uh, for us in the UK and Ireland I think it's more you know you're kind of on a team uh, with most sports even even if you're supporting American sports, we kind of stick to the team. I even saw like Ariel Hawani online being like, oh, everything are terrible, I need to change teams. It's like, you can't change teams, you're fucking stuck forever, mate. That's not how it works over here. <laughs> but uh, but in, in MMA, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think maybe if, if Usman was like a kind of, uh, a loved kind of character, you know, everybody respects him as a as a technician and as a champion, and and how how good he is. But uh, you know, I'd, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I doubt many people are buying his, his you know venom gear or we're buying his Reebok gear or whatever.
0: The dogs, don't, know, dog's, like here. The dog's um, don't like him The dogs don't
1: like him. But uh, yeah, maybe if it was the reaction wouldn't have been so strong if it was. Um, you know, uh, a GSP who he was beaten like that. People would be more sad, but people didn't seem, you know, sad at all for Usman. Like barely crossed people's mind about Usman. People were just so happy for Leon. And, and you know, even after the we did the podcast, I listened to some other podcasts and saw some other videos and saw some more like social media and stuff. And you know, people were pretty emotional uh, about the about the Leon win. And it's you know, I don't know if I've ever ever seen that before. Uh, you know for a, a worldwide audience people from all, all across the world seem to be you know very emotional i, I heard people crying and stuff on on podcasts and stuff so uh yeah it, it really is a special moment and you know these things don't happen that often and when they do they are special and you, you know it reminds, as i said earlier it reminds you of like you know you, you kind of fall into a mindset of uh husband's just a dominant champion and it's going to go, it's it's heading one way and it's it's, it's going the other way. And as, you, as I think you said, or somebody said, they kind of like half tuned out of the fight by the time it, it happened. Yeah, like, it was me. Yeah. You know, it's easy to kind of, you know, a foregone conclusion. And when something like that happens, you, you really got to appreciate it and like take it all in. And like I've been on the MMA Reddit and social media, watching all the, the kind of montages people have done and like you know the rocky music in and stuff like that like and you know it's it's great and i've been really enjoying it like you like you've been saying about you know the last few days and i think uh i think like leon edwards even even if he goes out there rematches usman and uh, loses it like five round decision 4-1 or 5-0 or I think people will still kind of hold affection towards him for the rest of his career just because people really seem to have been touched by this
0: Indeed and while you uh, get that dog and try drive out the back door I have three dogs of myself now so I understand a little bit better so you're all right. we have uh, we have something a little bit new for the Severe MMA podcast um, and uh, here it is
1: He's got four minutes to try to wrest away this title.
0: But he's got to do something. He may have resigned himself to losing a decision. Yes.
1: But that is not the cloth from which he is cut. Yes. We can make
0: an earthquake up in here. Yeah! Right, Graham, what, what, you, what you didn't get out of there? I, I like, you know, kind of half ripping half second captains there, I won't lie, but...
1: Yeah, fair play to you. good job. A beginner going in there and making, making these audio beds. It's, beginner? It's, uh, sounds professional to me.
0: Fucking 378 episodes in now doing audio. i hardly really nah, beginner
1: but, at this day. Fucking nah, you're, you're, you're an amateur editor. And I, I'm a f-
0: amateur, no? a- amateur, an amateur editor. Right? Shows edit- your
1: shows your professional uh, certificates there. Then Go my professional
0: that. fucking certificates. The the school of hard knocks. Fuck about ten podcasts every week that I edit the audio in. What are you talking no, it's, about?
1: It's all it's, it's all about pieces of pieces of paper, Sean. Pa- Patrick paper, actually you know?
0: to, to mention him again. He actually did the editing audio course on. He taught me everything. So you know, I've taken that to, ah, uh, very to very the well next level. It. You know, I'm basically the Joe Canning. And you're you're prodigy,
1: prodigy. pro pro. You're a protege of a pro.
0: That's we could say that. Yeah, we could say that. Do you know you could also say that about <laughs> you could say that about both Taitu Evasa and Cyril Gagne, I suppose. Taitu Evasa with Mark Hunt and Cyril Gagne, I suppose, a little bit with um, uh, Francis Ngannou, and they're fighting this weekend on UFC Paris. This UFC Paris card, it feels like it feels like Ooh. everything has yeah. just kind of fallen apart. Now. I actually heard. Uh, of one person Who may be fighting on the card Who is, um, yeah, is Let's Yeah There might be another fight added Or a fight changed on this card By the time this comes out Let, Let's just put it It's not
1: Figlack you're talking about is
0: it? Uh, is Figlack on it? There was rumours of Figlack on it, like you're talking about it No it's not Figlack yeah, Figlack is on it yeah He is on it yeah He's fighting uh, Farad oh. ZM Yeah so that's uh, That's very very good Let's talk about the main event first and then we'll talk about Fig I look I think it's a very, very interesting main event. It is uh someone in Seattle, Ganyu people are probably thinking now is is vastly overrated, uh, even though I don't think he is, just after losing to Francis Ngannou. It felt like it felt like the loss for Gagne was like the loss for Inganu a few years ago where he lost the steep and he needed the loss to get better. It's funny, myself and uh, and Harry Powell actually did a podcast there. I think it came out last week on on Patreon about loss. Sign up Patreon for com forward slash severe my podcast. Um, and whether you need it or whether you don't need it, and I think we, we kind of came to the conclusion at the end of that. The end of that. Okay, you need loss, but you need loss to learn from. And as long as you learn from it, it'll benefit you. And I think that is Silgania's position now. Having said that, though, this is a fight where he's probably and more than likely not going to get wrestled against a guy like Taito Ivasa, who is... A very good technical striker as well I would say for the heavyweight division anyway and an unmercifully hard puncher to me the breakdown of this fight is that Gagne is probably a little bit more classy if you want to put it that way although Tuivasa is good as well but Tuivasa probably hits harder than Gagne and he will need to connect with a big knockout shot to win the fight against Ganya. but at the same time uh, to, to further the Francis Ngannou comparison when Francis uh, lost that fight to uh, Stipe back in the day. He can, in his next fight, and he absolutely laid Neg against Derek Lewis in a similar sort of matchup, if you want to put it that way, against another dangerous heavyweight. Is there a fear that Silgania does that and it turns into kind of a boring fight, or the fact he's fighting at home in the main event? <laughs> I don't know. I, I find it hard to gauge or read on this one, Graham, in terms of the mental side the, the, the technical side, I think I can kind of break it down, but I'm, and if it goes the way, I think it goes, it's it's a pretty easy matchup to break down, I think. but uh, there's more to that to it how how, how how are you kind of reading this fight, I suppose, and the, more the mental aspect, I suppose, than, than the the physical?
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, for for I think you know th- there definitely is a technical gap here, uh, and Sergio Gagne should be if he's looking like he was before the Nganu fight, which which you know obviously it's 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 definitely uh, something to think about. But I think he will be. You know, he didn't get knocked out. He kind of just uh, didn't do enough. He didn't maybe you know he definitely had a lot of things uh, to look back on that fight and improve for him, and he's definitely. You know, he's been kind of, you know, uh, propelled into the into the title picture early in his career. Uh, in terms of, you know, he's thirty two years old, but in terms of his actual fight experience, um, you know, uh, he's 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 doesn't have the experience that Titu Evassa has. But in terms of high level opponents, I think you know, he definitely has the edge there as well. And. I'd be more concerned about the mental side of things if, if he'd gone in there and been knocked out, you know. His first loss had been a knockout, but the fact that he lost a decision to, you know, w- one of the one of the best heavyweights in, in many years, I don't think I don't think mentally it's going to be too much there, you know, but having said all that, the first defeat is definitely something that, you know, you're, you can uh, dent your confidence and it definitely stops your momentum a bit and you have to kind of go back and look at yourself and you know, change things and sometimes changing things, changing too many things can kind of take you out of the game and take you out of your usual game and can, you know, take a bit of time to get used to. But I'm sure he's been sparring a lot in the gym, working on these things. And I ex- expect him to try and make this fight long and not take too many risks and, and uh, play a technical. And, you know, Taitu Havas has been to it a sh- uh, only a couple of decisions over three rounds. And one of them was Arlovsky in a fight he. Like might have lost. It was a it was a really close fight. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I I think this is, this is really is uh Sarah Ghani's fight to to lose.
0: Yeah, I I would tend to agree with you. But as just to kind of further on the point again, like. You never know what that loss is actually going to do, even though it is not a knockout loss, as you say, either. But you know, Francis Ngannou's loss was, wasn't a knockout loss either. But it was uh, sometimes a loss like that can be worse. Well,
1: uh, so the Ngannou thing was was f- a beatdown, like, yeah, like, and uh, that that he performed so badly.
0: Yeah, that like, is yeah, kind of just true. left
1: like left opportunities out there. Like, Ngannou just looked terrible.
0: Yeah, that that is very true. <laughs> Kanye didn't look great as well at times, but yeah, it's still it's the first loss of your career and I think it's more the mental side than anything else. Like myself and Quilter were talking about on on um, uh, on hot topic this week about the betting odds for, for um Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman too, and Usman being the big favorite. And it was, it, we were kind of discussing that, like, okay, if you put Fighter A versus Fighter B from two weeks ago in there, absolutely he should. If you put Fighter A versus Fighter B from four and a half minutes into the fourth round, absolutely, no doubt about it, Usman should be favorite going into that one. But that knockout happened. You know, and first of all, the physical nature of recovering from the knockout, the mental nature of recovering from it, and then the technical aspect of how you change up your game after it. Now, Tanya hasn't had that, but he has had a loss, and he has, like, a, a technical loss. How will his technical game change, I wonder? Um after that fight, and now look, this is obviously a diff- very, very different. And time he fight. also
1: wasn't it the first time in his UC career that he was put on his back as well in the first fight so, yeah. by Leon as well? So that's another kind
0: of Yeah, he has
1: to worry about going into a rematch.
0: And it was the first time Ganya was putting his back as well in, in the last fight as well. It's, I I've, I find that very fascinating because if you look at someone like Ganya, especially right, he's 10 fights, 11 fights now into his career, he's still very much learning his game and learning the ways to fight to avoid certain situations while improving those certain situations so if you do get there you can be better in in those places and now he's coming into a a matchup against a guy like Taito Ivasa who is maybe a little bit further along there has gone over and trained in AKA with the likes of Ken Velasquez and Daniel Carmia and others as well a few years ago and has kind of taken that road already and that's, look, over the fight itself, I think that's the more most interesting part for it to me, how Silgania can further himself. Like I've said before, I think he is the best heavyweight in the world, and obviously he didn't show that uh, against uh, Francis Ngannou, and Francis had a, had a phenomenal performance, technically and tactically especially, I suppose, in that fight. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's a very interesting fight. The main event in Paris as well. Obviously their first trip into Paris. Bellator went there a couple of years ago now at this stage nearly isn't under last year um haven't brought like a they brought a good card they like they better brought a better card here than they'd bring you know to Ireland probably or, or Stockholm maybe or somewhere else um and it's <laughs> It's it's weird that the UFC, right, tr- treat these areas as if they're, like, important fight night areas, but not as if they're important uh, global areas, if you want to put it that way. Like, this is not, it's a very good card, don't get me wrong, and the more I look down through it, the, the better it gets. But the fact the UFC are getting paid the same amount of money from... Uh, ESPN know for their pay-per-views no matter how the pay-per-views perform or who's on them you would think that they would actually put more credence into areas like Paris uh, and other places to when you get to the end of the ESPN deal you not only have a strong American market and they've done very well especially uh, on TV during the uh, during the pandemic but also have strong markets all around the world and how you do that is by bringing very very strong cards and they're lucky to have someone like uh, Francis Ngannou they, are, they have someone like Seattle obviously Francis is not on this card but they have Seedle to the it. they were lucky in Ireland they had um, Conor McGregor now they're maybe lucky that they had obviously Michael Bispin back in the day and Paddy Pimblett and others now and Ian Edwards possibly in, in the UK I think that's a very interesting thing to look at over the next couple of years, and to see if the UFC like the UFC, I think they need to cheat a little bit in ESPN, and on the pay-per-views and I, I really think they need to bring a few bigger cards around the world, because we see now, look the PFL are trying to do it, the PFL are coming in, uh, probably coming to Ireland, PFL are in, in the UK, I guarantee you the PFL will want to probably sign a few fighters and get the Paris and Italy maybe and other places as well, one championship roundabout coming here, Bellator, are doing um and by here i mean europe bellator obviously have taken the irish scene by storm over the last few years and you know the ufc talk about world fucking domination and they're always on about it and this is their time to dominate the world um and even though this is a good card i feel like their first foray in here needs to be old school ufc and old school needs to maybe become new school here. And I think they need to kind of leave that past behind where they're, you know, bringing fucking, you know, a, a mid-table heavyweight or a mid-table whatever division to headline in these markets, especially a big market like like Paris. Do you, is there any chance they do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, that, you know, I'm surprised because that they haven't, uh, if if the deal with ESPN is that they just get the, the same amount and there's no, like, restrictions on what time the event has to be on or you know, if it has to, maybe the pay-per-views have to be on at a certain time as part of the deal with ESPN and it might be hard to get uh, arenas or stadiums in, like, Europe or in, in countries to agree to, you know, uh, a big event in, in, you know, the middle of the night. I know the fans probably wouldn't care as long as a, if there was a UFC pay per view with a with a stacked card in Paris. I'm sure they wouldn't care about you know getting up later and staying up later. But maybe like you know residents and governments and stuff like that. Maybe that's where they run into a problem, or maybe there's a maybe there's something in the contract about. Uh, I'm
0: not you know, even saying uh, that. Though I, I'm going to say just pay-per-view worthy cards on fight night cards (laughs) you know like give give us a fucking you know give us a a a bantamweight title fight in London you know or in Europe or or, you know Paris or wherever it might be put them on there like they used to do it before a little bit and they got away from that and then they started I think they did it
1: yeah yeah, they did it a bit with I think they did an interim bantamweight or something they didn't do it properly I, I can't remember exactly but uh, yeah, I like I do think you know if you put on if you put on a a huge card, I don't think people care where where it is. You know, uh, American audience care where it is. They just want to watch good fights, and if it's good fights, they're going to watch it. And uh, as you said, if they want to do this global fucking domination, and they want to expand, they want to be this kind of established world leader in, in MMA and take it to the next level and be accepted in in more countries. Like, you know, uh, American audience listening to this probably, like, you know, they turn on ESPN and sports Center and all that stuff uh, to watch, like, the sports, the American football, uh, basketball highlights and all that stuff. And MMA and UFC is, is just normal there now. But for us over here, like, you know, RTE, BBC, Sky Sports barely mention uh, MMA at all. So... It, it may seem from the, the States and from the UC's bubble that they kind of have world fucking domination, but they, they don't like, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in the UK. I think maybe was it 10 years ago or around that, or even more, maybe, I think the Dana tried to, or the U C tried to put a kind of push, um, true money into the UK and it didn't work out. So maybe they're kind of hesitant from that, but that was a long time ago and things have changed a lot. And, you know, they have more stars from uh, Europe now than they ever have. So, yeah, I I think it it makes sense. They're in such a strong position, uh, being a live sport. You know, the only thing that people will really pay for on pay-per-view is is live sport, like boxing, MMA. Yeah. Uh, You know, people will just download or watch on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Paramount Plus or whatever, uh, you know, watch it on um, TiVo in America or Sky Plus here and fast forward uh past the ads. So like the UC and sports like these are are in a really strong position and you know, pissing ESPN off, even if they were to piss ESPN off probably wouldn't be you Make know no a bigger problem yeah. as maybe in the past, you know, yeah. they'd be they'd be really careful, oh, we don't want to piss off Fox or we don't want to piss off these or we don't want to piss off them. But they're in such a strong position now, I think that, you know, now is the time to do it.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Um just looking down through the card here, we'll talk about Marvin Vittori and Robert Whittaker in a second. There's two guys I want to pick out though, that maybe people uh, don't know that well, if you're listening to this and you don't watch maybe the local scene, or if you're in maybe the States or somewhere, um, William Gomes is the first guy I want to mention here. This guy is an absolute monster altogether. I first heard of him when he came into Cage Warriors uh, and he beat Tobias Cirilla very, very easily back in the middle of uh, of last year. If anyone knows Cirilla, he's lost one fight since, got a big knockout, but he is uh, one of the, like, the toughest guys in the local scene to fight. He just comes forward and is an absolute fucking animal. And uh, William Gomes just kind of, just ran around him <laughs> for, for three rounds he's gone on since and he's fought in a few different places He fought in Aries and he's fought in UAE Warriors and stuff got, I, I think he got a big kind of money uh, <laughs> buyout I suppose is the wrong word but he uh, I, I don't think Kedgeworth was able to get him back because he performed so well uh, in that fight He's won three in a row since that. He lost to and back in the day. That was back in 2016, and Saladin Padanass as well. Those are his only two losses. And if anyone knows those two guys, you you probably know that those two losses in your first four fights aren't massive losses. Yeah,
1: four fights. His, his first four fights were in a span of nine months as well. So he, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're fighting regularly, that you don't have much time to go back and, and train and improve. But, Indeed. Uh, he took a he took a little break after that and came back and is undefeated since.
0: Yeah, he was supposed to fight and Barrow actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that uh, that didn't end up happening. And then he gets uh, he gets on this guy. and hen, so. hen, Hen, hen the monster Henan <laughs> Remember that? So, yeah, this he's really good. Do you and, remember uh, that
1: the, the cartoon trailer with? with for, for, oh yeah, uh, vaguely, yeah. Roy Faber. Yeah, hen, remember, hen, remember hen, himself hen, and uh, remember.
0: himself and Faber were squaring off in the fucking uh, in the TVs to each other. Remember that the famous picture that was the, my oh, favorite yeah, picture of history. Brilliant, but yeah, William Gomes definitely want to go for, and Mike Figlack as well. Without a shadow of it, I want to look out for. Uh, I think a lot of people, me included, were surprised he got signed this early. He's he's a guy kind of climbing the ranks uh, in. Cage wires, and I just hope it's not another Reese McKee sort of situation here where it's a one or two fights too early. But the thing about Figlack is he's had that Aggie Sardari fight the last time. Like Sardari is. Uh, cage warriors championship level he obviously uh lost his title to, to joe mccolgan there what was it last year ish um and figlack came in and and he he beat him pretty comprehensively in his last fight only when was that was only last month wasn't it, it was a brilliant performance but and before that he has some fantastic wins he's beaten stevie mcintosh kieran lister oban Elliot, and people know how high i am in oban Elliot. even as an amateur you know he fought Jack Shaw, he lost him. It was a long time ago, but he's beaten Scott Pedersen and Chris, uh, um, Chris Sterling and other people as well back in uh, back in the day. So this, you know, fighting Oben Elliott, in your third he's fight. He's been
1: fighting since 2013. Yeah. You know he's he's been around a long time. Maybe it's early in his pro career, but he, he definitely has been around a long time. And he, although he's been winning a lot of decisions uh, recently, he's been he's been showing that he's developing uh, fight to fight. He's he's really tough out for any for anybody and I'll be. I'd be definitely uh, looking at the uh, the prop uh, on the decision to fill that here because there could be some money to be made. I think there could.
0: Although he's got good hands in him too, but he's I think he's been getting more technical and rounding out his game over the last few fights. You know, people uh, might know him and his brother Matthias as well, who Ian Gary fought. But he's been on a run since Ian Gary beat him. Like. A lot, you could see these are the next Leon and Fabian Edwards maybe coming through and, and the UK scene two absolute animals of brothers and it's great to see uh, Mike Figlack on this he's a very good boxer but as I said rounding out his uh, his ability I suppose coming in here i want to ask you Graham as well I asked this if, to uh, Quilchen Hot Topic do you know what? when we were going into the Leon Edwards fight last week I'm popping back to Leon Edwards as well again because I can't stop thinking about it um Everyone was kind of giving out, oh, he's not getting enough support and there's not enough people talking about him and I think look a lot of that was to do with the fact that Usman was the big favourite and a lot of people myself included and I think you included as well thought that Usman was, was going to win pretty comprehensively. Do you think there's any part of it that like the UK scene especially and the UK MMA scene weren't really behind him massively because, and he, because he wasn't a cage warriors guy? I think I don't know. I just feel like there's a bit yeah. of that in it. Do you, do you think there's a bit of that?
1: I don't. I don't know what the reason is. Um, maybe. Maybe you know they they had, they didn't feel like they were on the journey with them like they do with some other guys. But I was trying to remember which fight it was. I, maybe it was Gunnar Nelson where it was a split decision, and I think Leon got booed by the by the English crowd. Yeah, someone actually so seen me that today. Yeah, booing, but, uh, yeah. Was, was that Gunnar Nelson? Was that that fighter? Not sure which fighter
0: it was? was, but someone sent me like the screenshot of uh, uh, Leon Edwards. So I you know, fella actually made the call himself and he said, Leon Edwards getting booed. I still think he's going to be a champion one of these days or <laughs> something like that. So there was, he was getting booed at one stage. like
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he definitely hasn't, you know, pe- a lot of people will, will probably re- revise history and say they were always supporting him. But, you know, a lot, not a lot of people, when when he deserved title shots or when he deserved big fights, not a lot of people were on that I could see anyway, we're on social media, you know, with our hashtags and uh, supporting them and all that stuff. Everybody seemed to be overlooking them. And he just flew under the radar. I think uh, to a lot of people, maybe it's cause of, uh, you know, being kind of shy to show his personality in, in video interviews and stuff doesn't help like that. People that don't really feel like they know you maybe as, as much as they know other fighters and, uh, you know, if it was the Gunnar Nelson fight, maybe people feel like they've kind of been on the journey with Gunnar Nelson more than they have with Leon Edwards. Even though Gunner is Icelandic and and Leon's a hometown guy there in England, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I I think it's just a combination of 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 you know maybe not being on the radar as a as a young fighter before he before he rose up through the ranks and got signed to the UFC and people not really feeling that connected to him because of it it maybe not being the best speaker or whatever, things like that. And yeah, uh, it's hard to know. It's hard to put your finger on some of these things. But as I said earlier, I do think he's definitely turned a corner. I don't think this is a, this is a once off. I think he's going to, you know, continue to have a lot of fans. I don't know, you know, how much, um, how many pay-per-views he's going to sell. Like, uh, I'd say a lot of his fan base might be, you know, European or, Things like that, but I'd definitely be interested to see what 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 his next pay per view, maybe what his net, not what his next pay per view does. Because if it's an Usman rematch, I think it'll it'll do big numbers either way. But um, as he goes on, maybe his fight after that, see what the numbers are. Because you know, once once people are invested, they're invested for good. They're invested for life.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I'm Like I'd love to get Brad on maybe at some stage to talk about it. Maybe you know, I don't know who else you could get. Maybe Jude Samuel or something. But it just I always felt, and maybe I'm wrong here now, and its I don't think it's this way with like the people in the promotion themselves, but I always felt like Bama was cage fighting and the cage warrior scene was mixed martial arts, if you get me. Like, Bama was kind of like the, the, the dinner dance with a cage in the middle, you know, with loads of tables around it, and you go out for dinner and you'd watch a fight where you know and you have Alex Reed fighting and and people like that whereas Cage Warriors was like the you know Nathaniel Wood fighting this weekend and Jack Shores and people like that coming through and maybe that's unfair right maybe that's unfair but it feels like that's kind of that's the perception in my head I might be a lot of the way off and
1: yeah I don't know if you went back and looked at it I know the Cage Warriors have a phenomenal record of getting uh fighters to the UFC but Bama don't don't have too bad of a yeah. record Myself and either Quilcher, you know, we're uh, actually going to
0: do a podcast about that in the next couple of weeks because Quilch actually said that in the podcast as well and we're going, we're going to go through especially some of the maybe the Bama Ireland cards a lot of great talent and I like you even look at your Casey you now and Bama have a champion as well and like, yeah, the cage warriors don't have one I don't think so Bama have you know props they take their props. They've, they've done it very well. So it, it was those are a very interesting few years, I suppose, in the scene before the scene became as ex- easily accessible, I suppose, as it is now with streaming and, and different things. And obviously, BAM are kind of gone. To uh, they never officially went. I don't think. And there was rumors they were coming back and and things. But uh, yeah, we have kind of the we had the Bamator for a while, and I suppose we know it's we swallowed, have swallowed of, up or,
1: by Bellator, Yeah,
0: yeah, indeed. Um. Robert Whitaker, Marvin Vittori, Graham. What, what do you think of it? I suppose this is another quite a question as well of where Robert Whitaker is in his career at the moment. Like, I think Whitaker is a better fighter than than Vittori. I think um, Vittori is good when he can fight his game, but Robert Whitaker, what I think, what he is best at is taking people out of their game and forcing them to to be kind of jittery, I suppose. That's what he always did to El Romero. He never let him kind of get into a rhythm. Um, and I think if he can keep Marvin Vittori out of his rhythm, I think that's how he wins the fight, very simply put there. But, like, Robert Whitaker has lost now a couple of times to Adesanya. I don't think he's going to make that cut back down to 170, probably too small to go up to 205. It feels like he's in a bit of a no man's land. Now we saw last yeah. week you could be in a no man's land for a very short time—one bunch or one kick to the dome is all it takes to take it out of it. But at this very precise moment, it's a it's a big mental fight for Robert Whitaker here, isn't it?
1: Yeah, like he's come through a, a lot of adversity, a lot of injuries. You know, he's lost, as you said, twice to Adesanya, who's a champion. So he's in a he's in a position where you could easily get demotivated, and he's already been champion, obviously. Uh, he's already achieved kind of what you know what he set out to when he when he started MMA what he what he dreamed of when he started MMA so like you could understand if the motivation isn't there to to put in the work maybe like Vitoria is going to put in but. Haven't said all that. I, I I think the the skill level from what we've seen in the past between Whitaker and Vittori is is pretty large, and I think like Whitaker could probably you know mix it up on the feet and make it difficult, but he could also take it to the ground if he wanted to, and probably you know stay on top land shots and uh, mix that into his game as well. So I think he has multiple ways to go about this and. Uh, Victory's a, a tough-nosed guy. He, he's good. He's improved a lot, but he, at the same time, he's still a bit one-dimensional uh, in compared to, to Robert Whitaker. And he's a bit of a, you know, blood and guts fighter, and and that's great and all. But uh, when you come up against top-level guys like uh, Robert Whitaker, I think you know. Uh, as I said earlier, with another fight, it's it's kind of Whitaker's fight to lose. But you know, you th- you think of Whitaker; he's been around a long time for a 31 year old. He's done he's done a lot in the in, in the game. And uh, if his head kind of was turned or thinking about other things, and you know, uh, that is a dangerous place to be going into a to a cage fight with somebody like Fatori. So uh, as long as as long as Whitaker is you know motivated. Uh, he he, sh- he should be able to to win this pretty handily, but yeah, I'd like uh, you know I'd like to see what kind of shape he's in uh, on the scales and things like that. But uh, uh, I I I definitely be picking Robert Whitaker But if if he was to go in there and kind of look like um, looks like he's kind of not interested any in anymore, I wouldn't I? Wouldn't be too surprised either. Not 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 interested, but not as motivated as. Uh, as you need to be to, you know, make another run at the, at the title, especially when the the champion you you know you've been knocked out by him and you've been comprehensively beaten by decisions So, uh, so recently, so uh, yeah, he's definitely in a tough position. And uh, obviously, if he if he goes out there and keeps winning, you know, may, maybe he'll be maybe he'll be looking at the uh, uh, Perhem uh, matchup and thinking, you know, this guy's beaten Adesanya before. Uh, twice I think knocked him out before so I gotta make sure I position myself that if that is does does lose that I'm in the I'm in contention for the title shot against a new champion if, if that is to happen so yeah you know it's it's not as if the there's no hope for the title change in hand so I I do expect Whitaker to go in there and you know uh win this fight and try to make another run at the title but can he make it to the top again? I, I I don't think so. I think the game's passed him by. I think the 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 level of striking at the top of that middleweight division is just phenomenal, and he's he's a very good striker himself. But I don't think he's quite on that level. But compared to Martin Vitoria, I think um he, he's a he's a he's a much better fighter uh, all around uh, and should have should have his way here.
0: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Do you know what I, I? can't comprehend. People are buying into the Adesanya stuff again. Like they're they're eating up the Adesanya wolf tickets. Like, so we've seen Adesanya going in there, right, against um average strikers in the middleweight division, which is the worst division in the UFC, apart from women's featherweight, right? Uh, and he takes it so easy against him for five rounds in fear that he gets hit with one shot and knocked out, right? Now he's going in there with a guy who's knocked him out, a world champion kickboxer, and uh, people are expecting this to be an exciting fight. Like, if Adesanya is defensive in those fights, imagine what the fuck he's going to be like in this fight the only saving grace I think might happen here is that Adesanya might be able to take him down like if he's been working a lot and he's wrestled over the last few years obviously uh, Pereira is very new to mixed martial arts maybe like that's the one, one saving grace like my saving grace in a kickboxer versus kickboxer fight is a takedown I don't think that's I don't think that's a good option people are fucking going for a lot of
1: takedowns though for a guy who never does that you know you can end up getting tired in a five in a round yeah, fight
0: maybe but I I think he'd be smart enough to get knock over him if they don't work as well but I just think this is another guaranteed snooze fest. Like if I, uh, Jesus Christ, there's not guarantees a mixed martial arts, and I, <laughs> I, I might very well make myself sound like a fool here. But I have to call it. I have to give my opinion on it. But God Almighty, I I, I don't think there's a fight that could be more fucking snooze fest possible than this one. Really, I really don't like. It. I, I, you look at it right and you think oh this world class kickboxer against another world class kickboxer and they have history and all of that but this is mixed martial arts it's not going to go that way and it's also a, a mixed martial artist who we have seen there's enough tape on now to know the way he fights and the way he fights Is not an exciting manner It's a safe manner Now that's grand I, I It's Look he's very good And lads like Harry Powell Love it You know And they'll go back And they'll bring it, break it down And I, that, I'm not saying that In a derogatory way Now in any way Absolutely People should like that And I like that Myself a little bit as well And I, I actually Do you know what I actually don't mind it That much for this fight It's the Cannoneer fights And the fucking Other fights like that That it annoys me for Like if you're fighting Yoel Romero Absolutely be fucking defensive Don't get hit against him for fighting Pereira I, I think
1: uh, maybe I'm wrong but I think it wouldn't annoy you so much if he, if he didn't know that he had more you know if that's he went true for as well
0: him. yeah that's true as well but it's also the fact that he is like so much better than them it's it's almost like fucking Man City playing against Mansfield getting 2-0 up and then just kind of passing the ball around for the rest of it you know they go and win 7-0 like <laughs> you, know, that, but, uh, that.
1: you know a lot of fighters go in there and they're kind of afraid of a striking and then they let him do his thing like
0: yeah, but Maybe if you're think, a good hey, enough, come out
1: like he's gonna come out <laughs> strong early. He's gonna try and you know get this done quick. He doesn't want to end up on his back and look like uh, a fish out of water.
0: Yeah, but come on, like if you're if you're good enough to, you're already keeping the fight on the feet the whole time. You're stopping their taking Surely there's a few more things you can do to make the fight a little bit more interesting. Like this is, this is mixed martial arts. Like there's a, it's prize fighting. It's not just fighting. People need to remember that as well. And I did. It's very easy for me to say it here and there's probably people listening to this and go, What the fuck are you talking about? He's gonna win in the fight and he's doing it the right way. Make but money
1: save the save the brain, yeah. you know?
0: People are not no people are not gonna forget this. People are not gonna forget the way saying is. And I remember the last time we did the podcast and I said it. I never had more people praising me for actually saying it. And a lot of people won't say it because like maybe they're afraid to say it or you know, and I try to I, I want to be very respectful of the fighters, but I also have to call it down the middle and to call it the facts and look at the sport that we have. And that the sport we have is fucking prize fighting and to be more exciting to put on shows that people want to see now this is a fight I'm sure people want to see but like would it be more of a fight people want to see if he had kicked knocked out fucking Jared Kennedy or probably actually would be like even as weird as that sounds I, I just can't trust him to like if I was in America And I'd pay 70 quid for this I wouldn't be paying it There's no way like There's no There's just fucking no way I'd be paying the 70 quid for this Just not a hope. But Anyway Let's uh, Let me throw it over to Sean G in Here to talk a quick bit Of One Championship Thank you very much Sean Yes here is a quick review of uh, Of the One Championship cards From uh, the weekend And when I say quick I mean quicker. We. <laughs> So very good year. So I got 1st one one six one first, uh, or one sixty. Was it one one sixty? Yeah, it was one one sixty, and then we'd one on prime one. So uh, that started off with Agasa uh, beating Nakusu. Uh, Agasa was a very good Indian wrestler slash judoka. But he had better strikes against the BJJ artist, and that's what won it for him. Just way more crisp, got all the way in, uh, forced Nakusu to enter Wiley and got caught. One of those ones where he comes inside, just stood there and got fucking knocked out basically and that's exactly uh that's exactly here and he got finished with a beautiful hammer fist on the ground as well so a nice finish there for him uh there's a bit of a submission grappling there uh tommy langarker got the 50k bonus after winning a decision win for a few front chokes uh got, went for a bit of an armbar. did manage to get a win for a bit of a leg lock and a beautiful transition to the back which i very much enjoyed um but yeah, he, uh, he defended, uh, did Knuto very well, defended the uh, body triangle and trapped, uh, his arm getting trapped and he, even the mount and the head and arm chokes are good stuff there and uh, Langacker, I think, won the decision, I don't know the criteria of fucking pyjama wrestling, but I was, it uh, <laughs> wasn't pyjamas either, it was, no, was gee or no, no, no gi, no gi, so yeah, um, Paul Elliott then, I suppose, did what Paul Elliott does, went out there, almost knocked out Batur, and then got fucked up himself. <laughs> he, he very nearly knocked him out, but then he didn't, and he got tired, and he got taken down, and he got mounted, and he got finished. And, but I still, love, I still love him. Paul Elliott did great crack, and uh, I want to see him back again. I definitely want to see him back again. Canu in then uh, came in there. And got a beautiful win against Samir Khan. Stunned him with an elbow, and the fight was over. Him um, there was a lot of posturing early, not really much stuff being landed. The power absolutely killed him, though. Um, that that elbow just he, uh, Khan couldn't do any more after it. There was like uh, to me, it looked like half a one-two that stopped him standing. But on replay, that left hook was a lovely shot as well. But the elbow, without that elbow, I don't think the, the, the left hook and the, the right hand finishes it. So a beautiful in there for Keanu Suba. He's back in the title contention there as well. Bit of money tied in with Wada against Samipet. An absolutely massive KO with a 1-2 straight down the middle middle for uh, for Samipet. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. And then we did the two title fights, we had uh, Tan Lee versus uh, Kai Tang for the, I don't know what it's the featherweight, but 155 title, and then the other one is lightweight, but 170 I think, anyway, I don't know, one championship but weird, Kai Tang basically dominated this fight Uh, he landed loads of jabs to the body and legs early, Uh, Lee was trying to make it wild, Tan Lee was trying to make it wild uh, but he was just reaching in too much and not landing in the second round, that leg was absolutely destroyed by Tank Kai. Uh, Lee tried to take down, couldn't get it. He did land a couple of hard shots late and a nice knee as well, but the damage literally was already done. The third round is kind of an off-round for... Kai Tang mostly, but for kind of both of them, um, I, I, you know, it's not scored it round by round. But if it was, I think I'd probably give that one to to Lee, and it's the only one I probably give to Lee. Uh, Kai Tang hurt him badly with left hooks in the fourth, dropped him twice, but it seemed to kind of wake up Dan Lee a bit, who landed a big left hook of his own uh, late in that fourth round, it was very good there as well. And then the fifth, Kai Tang was on his bike. Landed 1 or 2 Great exchange late In the last 15 seconds or so Of the fight But Kai Tang won the fight Rightly so And is the new champion there In that Welter uh, featherweight slash lightweight division over one championship, and honestly I think he's brilliant, I think this guy is up there with any of the prospects in the world let's say in the featherweight division in in the UFC, I would love to see him in there with a guy like Iliad de or something like that his jab is really good, his leg kicks his takedown defense, this guy is exceptional, like really really exceptional, and they announced him as the first male world champion from China as well so that's a big thing, you know, they're in the Asian market and this guy is not just you know, some random Chinese guy who can fight, you know, this guy's a brilliant, brilliant fighter, if he was from China, or fucking Chile, or Cork, you know, he's a very, very, very good fighter, and uh, they have a a good one on their hands there, then in the main event, the rematch between uh, Oak Ray Young and Christian Lee, the first fight, you know, I gave it to Christian Lee, but uh, Oak ended up getting the decision, and Christian Lee came in here, and... You could see that his mindset was Never fucking again I'm, Never again am I go, not gonna, even going to Get to a decision, never mind lose a decision And he just went out there for the, the Stoppage from second one No, I wouldn't say from second one I would say from about second 15 Um, Oak won the first 15-ish seconds He landed some good shots, but Christian Lee Turned it around immediately Like uh, Myself and Ian talked about What Oak needed to do to win this fight And I think it was to up the pace a little bit Land a few more shots and he did that early. You could see he was trying to do that. But what Lee needed to do was land even more and do even more and land even more power. And that's just all he tried to do. Landed a big head kick midway through the round. Beautiful jabs. Oak did land a nice right hand midway through the first round. But a huge knockdown from Lee late with some knees to the downed opponent, which are allowed in one championship. Even one or two to the back of the head, I think, here, which was a bit... Uh, and he got up. Another knockdown and it, you know it was one of those rounds I tweeted it was closer to a than 7 a, than a 10-9 but it was probably a ten eighty for scoring it that way an absolute destruction but no score mattered this time because Christian Lee came out knocked out Oak with a, knocked down Oak with a big right hand and in I, I said a soccer kick initially it wasn't because they're apparently illegal in one championship uh, but soccer knees aren't and he like kneed him right in the fucking head uh, and nah hurt him badly and hit him with a, ne- a second one and a third one and the referee came in and stopped it I have never seen a chin as good as Oak showed in this fight he got destroyed with shots on the feet and what would be illegal shots over here and he was still going and he wasn't stopping and the referee had to save him and like the referee did a good job but this guy Jesus you want the fucking bazooka to knock him out or something he's an absolute animal but uh christian lee was a bazooka on the night and he was absolutely fantastic and uh put on a put on a great performance at a very 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 good win and he gets back he's like i don't know what they're going to do now maybe the trilogy after destruction like that i think it'll be probably hard to put on a trilogy but a very very good win for christian lee and he joins his sister back as uh, as a champion again in one championship He not only joins his sister, but he also joins Demetrius Johnson as well uh, as another champion uh, after he uh, beat Adriana Morrison. One of my favorite fights of the year, if I'm being honest, an unbelievable, I would say, comeback. and I think it was a comeback. Uh, If you didn't see the fight, I'll run through it quickly. I suppose it's the easiest way to do it. Uh, Demetrius started off the fight switching stances um, he was landing more but Maurice was landing harder uh, Morais got a takedown uh, DJ was looking to set up a triangle but it was no good Maurice ended up on top landed the better stuff there um, lovely few elbows and stuff Demetrius landed one lovely elbow as well and cut Morais with it definitely a Marais round even though it's not scored as a, as a full round but beautiful stuff from Morais. second round even better from Rice. big right hand DJ was been badly wobbled by a head kick and almost finished again with those grounded knees but he survived got on the bottom uh, ended up taking a few shots there but got towards the end of the round but in the start of the third I think Marais had clearly slowed down not to go full dragon, no hurry or anything but DJ was picking him off um, the jab in the left hook when he was switching stances, were just perfect from DJ, landed a beautiful elbow, against the cage, did Marais, but that was his only real thing, in that third round, knees in the clinch, from DJ were beautiful, and it was all DJ in that round, four round very slow, to start it off, a lot of clinching, one shot from Marais, one shot from DJ, not much in it, but you could kind of tell, in the middle part of the round, that Marais, was really really tired, but he threw this one massive elbow, down through the middle, and it, You could see it hurt DJ, but DJ walked straight through it, and it was one of those shots that I think both guys knew at that stage, like, I can't finish this guy, he can't finish me, and at that point, DJ was like, let's go, and he went, and he landed a massive right hand down through the middle, and a beautiful knee, almost a grounded knee, but it wasn't, it would have been a legal knee, even in Bellator or the UFC or anywhere, and he finished Marais with it. A brilliant back and forth fight. Um... I I said in my Shar dog preview, which will be out after this, I suppose. Uh, it, it reminded it reminded me, or don't know, maybe before. It reminded me of a a boxing bout, or not a championship fucking heavyweight bout, like Klitschko against fucking uh, Anthony Joshua or something like that. An absolutely brilliant fight altogether, and a, a brilliant win for Demetrius at this stage of his career. I know people probably say, "Oh, it's one championship and all," but Maurice is very good and much bigger than him. Like this is one thirty five pounds. You know, which is like, oh, we put up the weight 10 pounds, but you know, lads are still kind of cutting to get down there and, you know, failing fucking hydration tests and left, right and center and different things like that. This guy is more, uh, Josh Gross said it's like a lightweight against the flyweight and it was. And Demetrius to win that fight just shows how great he is Uh, after losing the first one, especially again, an absolutely brilliant win from Demetrius Shanson. What a legend, just brilliant stuff altogether. Um... A few more fights in, and I'll run through them quickly here. Um, Kadistam, uh, Sebastian Kadistam got a beautiful uppercut KO to start off the card. Lapikus got a a takedown um, after a flying knee attempt. And Kadasam obviously saw what the fly needed There was space up through the middle Landed a beautiful uppercut right through the middle And knocked out Kadistam. Um The next fight in for me was a bit of a hobbery uh, Lin Hequin and Hirata Hequin just dominated the first two rounds Leg kicks um, Jab from range and everything like that Hirata had a straight arm at the end of the second round and I didn't, I didn't think it was a big one to be honest. Rich Franklin agreed with me. The other two commentators, not so much. And in the third, then uh, Hikoi again just absolutely dominated. But then, with twenty seconds left, a big right hand right down through the middle, almost knocked out Hirata. Beautiful comeback, but did she survive? And Hirata won the decision. Now, I like big impactful shots winning rounds, but I'm not sure one big impactful shot. With twenty seconds left in the fight, should win you the whole fight, and obviously it's scored as a whole fight. Uh, I'm I, I think it's a massive drawback of scoring the fight as a whole. Um, but look, here at it did win it. And that's the way to score it, and that's their prerogative. But I uh, honestly, if this was if this was in Ireland or in the UK or America or whatever might be, and it was scored on our system, uh, this would have been an easy twenty nine, twenty eight for Hick Quinn, and I think she would have deserved it. But yeah, it's um, it could have been even a 30 27, but I think 29 28 would have been the right way. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, there's a couple of might die fights, then DeAndre the Martin won, Superplek got a big uh knockout KO. Uh, then we would Sorelli versus Ali Akbar, the former cage where his champion Mauro Sorelli, um, he started fighting from the outside but kind of immediately gave up and that came inside. Ali Akbar fought very well, then was countering nicely, got a clinch, got a bit of a takedown, and almost got the finish at the end of the first round in the crucifix. But Herb Diem, as a referee, he let it go as he things to do uh, Cirelli came back at the start of the second knocked out the mouthpiece of Ali Akbar but from there on it was it, it was all Ali Akbar even though he looked very tired he got a single leg got a takedown got into half guard ground upon pound for a long time got a, almost a crucifix again landed a lot of elbows and Herb Dean ended up stopping it and a very good performance from Ali Akbar there then we had Buchecha who fought uh, Cyril Gucchenko calf kick knockdown double leg ended up on bottom but went for leg lock Got it, heel hook, whatever it was. It wasn't a leg lock, it was a heel hook. Uh, and he tapped him literally in about two seconds. So it was all over inside around. round. afterwards got very emotional. One of his friends died in the last few weeks. He said it was the worst three weeks of his life and all of that. and Very, very sad, but a lovely promo and lovely tribute to his friend. and showed a lot of class after a very good performance as well. So Bucecha rolls on here um, after a, a you know a star-making performance, I suppose. A couple more Muay Thai fights then. Uh, Pampaka got the win. Big knockout there, as did uh, Nango, who finished Liam Harrison with. Uh Kicks to the leg They also brought out Roberto Soldic Who had uh, Who said he wants to fight MMA, Muay Thai And kickboxing Sam had called him out Earlier in the night And he said Yeah let's do it So it sounds like Kadis Sam versus Soldic Is a go And uh, do you know what Be kind of fun So that's, uh, that's that That's it From uh, One Championship Lads I hope you enjoyed This report And I hope you enjoyed The podcast Altogether Let me know Let people know as well About that sting earlier If you enjoyed it uh, Or the audio bed Or whatever it's called Um if you did enjoy it, let me know, let everyone know, at Sean GmbH, follow Graham as well, at Me, at Me pod. Uh, no Q&A this week, uh, but I might do a rewatch or something like that. Um, but we have some good stuff coming later in the week. Myself and Ian have a podcast talking about the number two promotion, which is very interesting after uh, the one championship card especially. Uh, that'll be out on Wednesday, and we'll have a Speaker's Corner on Thursday as well. So lots of stuff to come as always over on Patreon. I'll leave it at that. Sean in severeman.com Graham McDonald. we'll see you all next week good luck